0: You're listening to Florida Capital Conversations, a podcast series brought to you by Holland and Knight's Tallahassee office. Each episode of this series will take a look at the many different aspects of state and local government through the lens of our experienced legal professionals. Our hosts, Nate Adams and Mia McCown, have a wide range of Florida governmental experience and offer a seat at the table to everyone who listens to these candid conversations.
1: Welcome to our Florida Capital Conversations podcast series. Today, our subject is the 2022 Regular Legislative Session in Florida, and our guest is Beth Beccioli. My name is Nathan Adams. My co-host is Mia McCalvin. We are so pleased that you have joined us today to consider another important issue associated with state government affecting the business community in our daily lives as Floridians. There's none better than Beth Beccioli to kick off our discussion. Mia?
0: Good afternoon, Nate. Thank you so much, Beth, for joining Nate and I today for our capital conversations. And as Nate indicated, what goes better with capital conversations than recapping the legislative session? It's a little strange to be talking to you in mid-April because, and session's already over. So um, that's a little bit different this year. Um, I know the governor just made a decision today um, on redistricting. So I know that's probably one of the highlights of the legislative session, but you know, could you kind of give us maybe an idea just of what you think the big issues were and then we can dive into each topic.
2: Sure, yes, thank you Mia. Um, At first I thought I would start with just some facts about the, the session that just ended. It was our 2022 regular session, started January 11th, ended March 14th, was actually supposed to end March 11th, but they could not let the the 72 hour cooling off period on the budget didn't expire until Monday, March 14th. So they had to extend session one day in order to pass the budget, which as everyone knows, that's the only thing um, constitutionally that they're required to do during session. This, as you mentioned, Mia, this, this session was earlier this year because 2022 is an election year. And in even numbered years, our session runs January through March. And next year in 2023, uh, it's not an election year. So our session will start March 7th and end May 5th. So it's a 60 day session. The, the leaders uh, of the 2022 session uh, were Chris Proulx, Speaker of the House, and Wilton Simpson, uh, Senate President. Next year, um, those leaders will, will, their terms will have expired and, and they will be termed out. So we will have two new leaders next year, will be installed House Speaker Paul Renner and Senate President Kathleen Pasadena. So we will see, uh, I'm sure they will bring different insight uh, into the, the policies and, and the issues that the legislature has to consider. Uh, So we'll see what happens next year.
0: Other than the, I mean, the budget is their one job, right, Beth? If there was one substantive issue, usually the Senate and the House have pushes, right, that they're pushing for. Was there anything in particular that were were the big ticket items substantively unrelated to the budget that you saw, whether it was in property insurance, condo legislation, privacy issues that you thought were significant this session?
2: Yeah, I would say the the two big issues that that I would like to highlight, and then there are some other smaller issues. First of all, we we can't have a discussion of the session without talking about redistricting, which, as most people know, occurs every 10 years. And it's a way to address how the population uh, has grown in certain areas of the state, intended to kind of Redraw the the lines of each district on the map to uh, account for the increased population in some areas and maybe a decrease in other areas. So of course they had to they had to pass redistricting maps not only for the legislature and legislative positions but also the congressional positions. The congressional maps have to be approved by the governor. Uh, the governor did veto the congressional map. And so now a special session has been called, which will start April 19th uh, in Tallahassee for about three days um, to redraw the congressional map and then send that to the governor, which
0: hopefully he can approve. Beth, during the special session, is there any chance that they will address any other issues other than redistricting? Do you expect them to come back if bills didn't pass, maybe to come back and try to pass them? during special session or is it narrowly tailored to just redistricting?
2: Right now, it's narrowly tailored to redistricting, but Senator Brandis has submitted a letter to the Department of State because he would like to expand the call for the special session to include property insurance. He now says he has enough legislators that have signed on uh, to also request that property insurance be included. And assuming that's the case, then both chambers of the legislature would have to take a vote on whether or not to include it in the special session, and it requires three-fifths vote in each chamber in order for it to pass and be included.
0: That's a heavy lift then.
2: (laughs) I I think it's probably unlikely, given that the the way the House and the Senate disagreed at the end on that issue, uh, I think that it's more, more likely to wait till next session.
1: You tell us a little bit about that substantive disagreement. You know, I know a lot of people are pretty upset that their property insurers are, you know, are closing up shop in parts of the states. So tell us what's going on there.
2: Yeah, so so the property insurance industry is definitely in a state of crisis right now. We've had in the last six months there have been at least three property insurers that have become insolvent and gone into receivership here in Florida. That is not a good sign, particularly as we're approaching, quickly approaching the beginning of hurricane season. And the Office of Insurance Regulation has issued several data calls to find out where the problem is. Like, well, what is occurring? to cause all, all these insurers to, to become uh, insolvent. In the data call, what they've seen is that the litiga- increase in litigation on claims uh, the last year mostly on roofing claims has really spiked, and so uh, the industry was trying to, to come up with some reforms that would, would address the, the roof claims uh, issue. The, the House did not like what the Senate was proposing because they were proposing that if you needed your whole roof replaced, it would, you would have to pay a 2% deductible, which the House uh, contends that is basically unaffordable to most most Floridians. So they did not agree on, on the bill in the final hours of session and, and the bill did die. But we will see uh, if Brandis is successful. I, my guess is that I don't think that he's going to get three fifths of the vote in the in the house, and so I I would be surprised if it gets added to the call for a special session.
1: Is that his uh, proposal again? That that two percent deductible is that what he's trying to put on the put before the special session?
2: Yeah, I mean I think my guess he hasn't said uh, anything specifically about the legislation he wants to see passed except that. He wants to address address roofing claims. He wants to address citizens because citizens is now approaching a million policies, um, and that's clearly an indication that our our uh, voluntary market is is in distress. So he wants well, Beth, to address was, citizens
0: and the CAT fund too. Beth, was citizens ever really intended to have that many policies when it was created? That just seems like a tremendous, you know, significant amount of policies.
2: Yeah, you're right. Mia. It was not. It's intended to be the insurer of last resort, which basically means if you can't find coverage in the in the voluntary market, you you could be right. insured by citizens. But now that all these insurers are non-renewing policies in high-risk areas are also becoming insolvent, this is citizens is the only place for some people to find coverage, and that that should be a concern for all of us because citizens levies assessments. And those very people who can't find coverage in the voluntary market could now be assessed if citizens had, had insufficient surplus to cover claims.
1: Beth, why why so much roofing litigation right now? I mean, I don't, my recollection is we didn't have a major, we did not have a major hit last summer uh, during hurricane season. So w- is this from prior years, hurricanes or w- what, what accounts for that?
2: Yeah, good question, Nate a lot of the roof replacements have been from hail damage actually, and not necessarily from hurricanes. And so, uh, you know, hail can occur in any normal thunderstorm, right? It doesn't have to be a hurricane. So uh, I think there's some of that involved. Also, uh, you know, the insurance companies think that there are some, some fraudulent roofers out there that are simply using this as a way to obviously make more money by installing and replacing entire roofs when they don't really need it. And, you know, some insurance companies might just simply be paying the claims instead of investigating further to find out whether or not it's fraudulent. There's the the volume is so high that you
0: can't possibly, you know, go out there and look at every single roof. Beth, I know when we were talking about the, before sessions started, some of the issues that we thought that you thought were gonna be on the radar. And one of the things that you mentioned were condominium, legislation dealing with condominiums in light of the tragic event that took place in Miami. Um, It it looks like the legislature did take some steps on, if I'm not mistaken, on inspections regarding condominiums, repairs, is that correct? Did I read that right? Or what, what can you tell us about that situation?
2: Yeah, so so it, it, interesting, uh, the, obviously, yes, that, that was first and foremost at the beginning of session because of the Surfside collapse, uh, where I believe about 100 people died, horrible tragedy. The House had a bill 7069 that actually passed the full House, was sent over to the Senate, passed the whole Senate Except for the Senate added a last minute strike ball amendment on the bill and passed it back to the House and then the bill died. So the House clearly did not like the changes that were in the Senate's amendment, but they were trying to address issues such as required inspections to occur more frequently, especially on buildings of a certain age. There was provisions in there to address disciplinary action against board members of condos that don't take the right action. Uh, They were were, uh, increasing the requirements for reserve accounts to be held by condo associations and also disclosures about the the soundness of the building that would need to be made to potential buyers. So there were a lot of good reforms in there, but at the end of the day, the the bill died.
0: Well, I would probably expect some of those issues to return for 2023, just based on how far it got.
2: Yes, I, I would agree with you, yeah. A couple other topics that I just wanted to talk real, real quickly through. There were uh, there, there was a consumer data privacy bill, and normally this bill wouldn't be like, you know, a real high-priority type bill that we would discuss. But but it was a priority of Speaker Sprouse. And this was the second year he was trying to get it over the finish line. And it also died at the end. Um, It's possible that if property insurance gets added to the call for special session, that there could be a deal worked out between the legislative leaders that Speaker Sprouse also gets his desire to see consumer data privacy passed because for two years in a row now it has failed. So I just bring that bill up because there's a possibility that could be linked or traded with property insurance. Okay. What, he,
0: what is he trying to add? Is he trying to add some additional layers of protections for consumers with different people using their data and information? Is that where he's going with that?
2: Yeah, exactly. He, um, he, he says that most consumers aren't even aware that when they maybe go on a website or fill out some information or, or subscribe to some membership, that that entity now has personal data of yours. And in some cases, that entity might be able to sell your data to someone completely unrelated and you wouldn't know about it. And then they, they market you for some other product that you haven't signed up for. So he was trying to implement some reforms, which which would give consumers the right to say, no, you can't, you can't share my data. That you can only share it with my consent. Uh, give them the right to sue the company that shared their data without their permission. And, and and so you know that bill was a little controversial. Not, I mean, in most industries, because just about every industry these days collects data, um, and they may be sharing it not necessarily for for profit but they may be sharing it with vendors they do business with that might have to help them with their operations so there were a lot of nuances that the indus- that that everyone uh, in the lobbying community you know was was concerned about so but yes it, it was intended to put
0: some reforms
2: around what a
0: company can do with your data i know we're going to come back around and circle back around to the budget we've I always find it interesting during the legislative session what doesn't pass and frankly I think people would be surprised at how many bills are filed and what actually makes it to the finish to the finish line it sounds like there were quite a few battles in certain areas but are there other bills that you that you think that were significant, significant that were able to make it at least through the legislative finish line, and now they're going to the governor that you think are that were interesting or things important that you were working on during this past session.
2: Yes, sure. And to your point about how many bills are filed versus passed, a couple of statistics there. There for this past session, there were thirty seven hundred and thirty five bills filed. Guess how many passed. One hundred and eighty. Close, 267. So less than 10% of the bills that are filed actually make it over the finish line. And that's, that's a pretty consistent number. You know, it varies of course a little, but it's pretty consistent from year to year. So so there are a lot of bills that fail or never even get, get heard. But right, a um, couple other bills that I just wanted to, to bring to your attention in the healthcare space. Um, there was a big nursing home bill the reason I bring this up is because I'm sure we've all heard about stories that nursing homes are finding be- because of the whole great resignation um, <laughs> debacle that we went through with COVID. Nursing homes are having a hard time finding finding qualified care, you know, to work in their in their homes. So they expressed concern to the governor and the legislature about that. And and there was a bill on nursing homes that actually will now reduce staffing requirements. To have uh, certified nursing assistants can be replaced in some cases with other aides that are not, that don't have the same level of qualifications. And basically, that was to give nursing homes the the ability to hire others that could do the same work, but maybe with less qualifications. Um, It was controversial, of course, because everyone, you know, nursing homes are usually where our frailest are. are residing, and so you don't. It's hard for you to think of your grandmother having uh, less quality of care, right? But in the end, I mean, it's it's kind of needed legislation in order to to properly
0: staff these homes. And frankly, Beth, I think this issue on I'm going to call this to some extent a little bit of scope of practice with within the different levels of healthcare service. I think you're going to see this happening more with nurses doing more physician assistants doing more. Our population has just exploded and we don't have the practitioners to take care of everybody. Um, So I think this is just one example of the, you know, of a talent shortage that we have in the healthcare space. That's my opinion for what, what it's worth.
1: I'm not yes. even sure that I have a primary care physician. They say that I do, but I've never actually met the person.
0: <laughs> right. I mean, it's. I mean, we have grown so much, and we were on track growing so much even before COVID. And just the number of people that have moved to Florida over the past two years is just incredible as well. So I would expect these type of turf wars, so to speak, are. This was just a precursor of other issues that are probably going to come our way in the next sessions. Yeah,
2: uh, some some other another bill, kind of somewhat related in the healthcare space. You know, this year fortunately we weren't really dealing with too many COVID issues uh, since we're hoping COVID is in our rearview mirror. But there was a bill that that I think we originally passed, if I recall correctly, in 2021, got extended in 2022. Again, this was the COVID liability protections for healthcare providers. Um, That bill did get extended through sometime next year. I think it's perhaps July 1st of 2023. Uh, Since we are still dealing with some remnants of COVID, uh, there was a need to extend that so that healthcare providers are not liable except in the case of gross negligence, you know, for uh, patient's care, either dying of COVID or contracting COVID. So that, that was pretty important. And that, and that bill was one of the first bills that actually passed this session.
1: Going back to insurance, what's happening in the auto insurance area?
2: Yeah, auto insurance, you know, we seem to talk about that every year and nothing ever gets across the finish line. It you know, we're, we're, I think, one of four states left in the country that still has personal injury protection uh, required as part of your auto coverage in the state of Florida. Uh, it, it's it's rampant with fraud. It's driving up costs. You've probably seen your auto insurance rates um, going up every year as you get your new policy. So So they've been trying to do away with the current system we have and replace it with a bodily injury and property damage system. That, uh, that bill was heard last session, it was heard this session again, and, and again, it failed, didn't make it over the finish line. Uh, you know, I feel, I feel like we're going on nine years straight now trying to trying to get this bill over the finish line. So I, I don't know, at some point they might give up, but but there was nothing, uh, nothing significant that, that changed in the auto insurance space this session.
1: What is the major obstacle to getting that bill through? What's the major argument that keeps uh, foiling it?
2: Well, uh, you know, uh, uh, the insurance industry contends that you, if you create a whole new system without addressing tort reform issues, then you're just creating PIP 2.0. And there's also the, the contention that replacing PIP with a, with a property damage and bodily injury system could potentially raise rates. And there are many people in, in our state that likely would not be able to afford those higher rates and therefore would probably go uninsured and would be driving on our roads uninsured, which is actually worse than buying a minimum $10,000 PIP policy. So uh, so it, it, instead of fixing the problem, it kind of makes it worse. So the legislature has, as the House and the Senate, have n- been unable to agree on the bad faith liability issues or or tort
0: reform issues that that are inherent in the system. Well, that the the one job they have is the budget. So we're kind of circling back to that. I think I've t- told you this before. My my dad always had a saying that we need to maintain our te- integrity. Remember, the only person that really loves us is our mama, and it's all about money. And that's the one job the legislature had to do. And the the budget is big. What can you, what can you tell us about the budget and some of the you know the interesting things that you were aware of or some of the debates that were going back and forth on that this past session?
2: Yeah, good question. I'm glad you asked. So. Uh, very interesting. The governor, it, it, you know, the governor has to propose his budget and then the chambers propose their budget. And then the chambers have a conference to agree on what the final budget looks like that the legislature will pass and then get sent to the governor. So the governor's budget was $99.6 billion in what he proposed, which was actually a $2 billion decrease from last year's budget. Um, the Senate originally proposed a budget of about 108 billion. the house was at about 105 billion but after they they conferenced the, the final budget they passed was hundred twelve billion dollars. so it's basically it's basically 12 billion dollars higher than what the governor proposed so, my sense is that he's gonna use his, his line item veto pen um, in many places in the budget because he was looking at a decrease, not a $12 billion increase. So we will see what happens. Um, he obviously has has not uh, taken up the budget yet or acted on the budget. Uh, some Some other interesting facts out of let's say, let's take the Senate version 108 billion Almost 48 billion of that, so more than, more than a third of that budget goes to health and human services. That, that's the largest piece by sector in our budget every year. Second behind that is education. And then, of course, we have our criminal justice and, and correction system and our, and our natural resources and transportation. But, but the, two,
0: the two biggies, of course, are education and health and human services. When do you expect the budget? Is there usually, is there a deadline for that process to be completed?
2: There is. Of course, the budget uh, takes effect June 1st, so um, the governor has to... Uh, I, July I 1st? Her... Is it July 1st? I'm, sorry, or... July, I'm yeah. sorry, you're right. July 1st, yes. So clearly, uh, there he has to act on it before then you know, he's he's made some comments. He's still reviewing it. He and his staff are, are closely reviewing it. Obviously, he has some of his priorities he wants to see in there, and the legislature have their priorities. So my sense is that he's, he's being very diligent about it and, and doing a thorough review. And uh, we've got a special session coming up, so I would guess we're not going to see anything until May or June.
0: If you had to recap, you know, your your elevate give us a, an elevator speech so to speak on the 2022 session, what would be, you know, the biggest winners and losers so to speak of this session on the issues. That's greatest hits.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, so it, it depends on what the governor does, of course. But I would say that that teachers and law enforcement are probably in the category of winners. The
0: uh, is that because uh, of the increase in pay and bonus bonuses that were provided, or is that exactly? And 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 the when I say
2: law enforcement, I'm talking about corrections, you know, juvenile justice, all of that. There's, you're right, there's like a $5,000 signing bonus for new new police officers. They're adding, the the legislature wants to add about 2,600 positions to the law enforcement sector, so including the Department of Corrections, um, juvenile justice, et cetera. So they are getting a huge, assuming the go, the governor agrees, they're getting a lot of new positions to in the area of law enforcement. So between that and education, I think those are the winners for sure. Losers, I mean, obviously, um, you know, we, I think the two big issues going into session were property insurance and. And uh, the condo collapse, and both neither of those issues um, made it across the finish line, so they're probably in the loser category.
0: I think the single issue in our home um, that got lots of applause. My daughter Ava was very excited that the FSA is going away. I think that was passed as well, so she she considers that a win for high school students for sure.
2: Yes, I I understand that that test was not well well liked. <laughs>
0: Well, Beth, it sounds like the session, a lot of times in election years, it's a little bit quieter, but it seems like things were perking and moving right up until the very end. And we appreciate you sharing with us you know, your thoughts and kind of some of the, you know, we hear these things, why things passed or why didn't they pass? And it's kind of nice to hear the background story as to what was going on and what's st- what prevented things from getting over the finish line, and I assume we will likely see a lot of these issues again next year as well. And stay tuned for the special session. And what he what he strikes in the budget, right? I mean, that'll be interesting to see too. What he does once the budget gets to him, what his line item veto works with. So we may we may be talking to you again and again, Beth.
2: <laughs> well, thank thank you for for having me.
1: All right, well, thanks to Beth Feccioli for this informative and interesting commentary on the 2022 regular legislative session. Thanks to Mia McCowan for uh, some great questions today, great input. And most of all, we want to thank you for joining us today. Please plan to join us for our next Florida Capital Conversations podcast. Have a great day.
0: Thank you for listening to Florida Capital Conversations. For more information on our Tallahassee office, please visit hklaw.com/tallahassee.